My name is Kim Chill, and I get letters about the untold. I was hoping we would get the next three letters in a quick order, and that for once we would get maybe three episodes in a matter of a week. But it seems like whoever is delivering these letters to me have decided that once a week is enough. It annoys me. Most because I fear something has happened to Brendan before he could finish the letters. So I'll say this. It's a douchebag thing to just deliver one letter a week when Brendan wants to send three. I bet you are listening, whoever you are. Douchebag move. Anyway, does anyone else feel like the world is holding its breath? I mean, I know there are a lot of really bad things happening, and whenever I'm watching the news on my phone, it feels like I'm doom scrolling non-stop. It's why I'm following so many wholesome content creators on TikTok and reading a lot of books. Escape the doom of the world. But this week, it has been like a different aura is laying its cloak around us. And it seems like no matter where I walk, people are tense. Like a herd mentality has been activated in all of us. Because the herd, being humanity itself, is on the brink of annihilation. Not just because of all the war and horrible things happening in our world. Like there's something else. Like it's a bit harder to breathe. The colors of the world dampening in gray. People are smiling and laughing, but you can see it in their eyes. Fear and uncertainty. I wonder if the back of their mind is screaming, Wake up! Danger! I bet you're all wondering, how did I get the letter this time? Well, it wasn't as humiliating as last week, luckily. Though I must say the creativity, whoever or whatever is delivering them, are top-notch. My partner and I were dog-sitting a friend's border collie while she was out of town to do some makeup convention, I think. And she promised me some cool makeup if we helped her out. And how could I say no? A border collie is not a I just want to sit and cuddle kind of breed, more like I got a lot of energy and I have the zoomies. So the weekend was filled with long walks and playing with all sort of dog toys. My mind at the time was mostly on how should I end the podcast if the letters from Brendan stopped. Feeling like you guys needed closure as much as me if it suddenly ended, I decided then and there to make sure it would come out as one last episode and call it Best Regards. It felt right. That is how Brendan ended his own letters, so we should end the whole podcast with an episode titled that. As I was walking with the dog, in the closest forest we have, which is kind of 50 meters away from where I live, the dog's ear perked up. It was getting dark, and I couldn't see more than maybe 4 meters ahead of me. But the dog had just heard a noise. After everything has been happening to me the past 7 weeks, I did the only good thing I could do. Come on, Auger, we're going home. The dog's name is Auger. It's a Norwegian human name. My friend really knows how to pick a dog's name. But Orge didn't move. Though his eyes never left the one spot before a low growl started to come from the back of his throat. If anyone's out there, I have one hell of a vicious dog with me. Beware! About three minutes ago, Orge had been scared of his own shadow reflecting from a street lamp before we entered the forest. Hell of a vicious dog. But whoever or whatever was out there didn't know that. Orge started to tug at the leash. Orge, come! But he didn't care about what I said. He wanted to just go one direction. I managed to put the flashlight on my phone. Thank God for voice activation, as it was struggling enough holding a dog that was hell-bent to check out whatever he had heard. 
Lighting the way, we moved towards what was a very small clearing, about three meters in diameter, and a cold moonlight shining from the night sky illuminated a letter with a mushroom circle around it. That's strange. August started to sniff around the place, but never entered the circle of the mushrooms. As I was about to step into the circle, a low growl came from Orge, and I looked back. I could swear, right then and there, he shook his head, as in, no. And how am I supposed to get the letter? To answer me, Orge put his front paw in front of him as a gesture. Lean over and pick it up. Ruff. I was taking orders from almost a two-year-old dog, and that isn't the strangest things happening to me this month. My life, everyone. Though I did listen to him as I reached over the one-meter circle and picked up the letter quickly. Got it. Orge barked and did a happy zoomies around his own axis. Let's go home. And we started to go away from the clearing. As if something nagged in the corner of my eye, I looked back. And to my surprise, there was no mushroom circle, and the clearing was gone. Only a forest and trees spaced together in about a half a meter. That made me jog home. With a dog that was truly happy, we left that forest. As we got home, I asked if my partner could tend to the now happy border collie as I showed her the envelope. Sure, I can't wait to read it myself. Kissing them as a thank you, I went to the room that had now become a recording and gaming area. And I opened it, and it read, Dear Kim Chill. I must say writing letters is kind of growing on me. I can understand why some are saying we should go back to it. I could have sent this as an email though. I feel like emails can be tracked very quickly and easily than an old school envelope can. Return addresses can be forged, and technology can pinpoint you with an IP address and the like. It's harder to be anonymous in this day and age. Though I feel a bit easier if you go old school. Maybe I'm getting old. As I'm writing these letters now each day instead of once a week, not much has happened to me since yesterday. Other than I finally got to move into my new place, which is nice. I've also painted some words I found in books, like ancient books, and online around the place. Don't know if any will work, but I do hope nothing too supernatural can come and surprise me anymore. I should ask someone that knows this to do it, or maybe teach me, but something tells me old words might still be useful, or else they would have been forgotten in time. I wish I could tell you where I live now, but I can narrow it down for you. It is still in the northern part of the States. That's all you get. But anyway, let me get back to where we left off, shall we? I was on my way to breakfast, as I had just had a brief morning training with the cultist Masika. Not having a phone was a bit problematic for me. Not only because, as everyone in the Western world in this age of technology, I too am a slave to having a whole world in my pocket and only watching cute animals and other things I can't say to you. Not only that, but not having any kind of apps with maps or where to eat a good breakfast close to me is a bummer. So, time to do it the old-fashioned way. Asking people on the streets. Luckily, I know Arabic, which in turn makes people more helpful. It seems you get more intelligent in the eyes of the Egyptians if you speak it than English. Can't blame them for thinking that. And in short order, I found myself in a place that served a very, very good dish 
of full madamas. A favorite dish with crispy Aish baladi, a type of flatbread on the side. You have not lived until trying this. It is amazing and tastes so, so good. As I demolished breakfast, there was a time to reflect on a little problem that kept nagging at me. Cultists had found me while I slept in a hotel. How? I was pretty sure Vais didn't rat me out or was part of this cult. He was a devoted Muslim and a super nice person. Most likely, the cult had contacted most hotels and motels with my description. Masika had entered my room without forcing the lock open, and that room had been on the third floor with AC, so I hadn't opened the windows at all. I didn't find any key card on her either, which meant someone either let her in and went away, or magically she opened the door. That might be a viable option. I had to start thinking of magic might be answered to stuff as well now. Damn it. And what had happened to me tonight? Speaking to me in 5,000 years? That dream. It didn't truly feel like a dream. I knew where I could find some answers though. Next place to visit? The Al-Mala Obelisk. Time to find an ex-cultist. Getting there, I decided a taxi would be best. It's quicker than on foot and I didn't have to worry about a greater chances of being followed. And about 20 minutes later, I was walking in a small park where the only obelisk was still standing in its original position. I marveled at how something from over 3000 years still stood. Where the surrounding was just blocks of apartments and roads, in a little park with some benches and bushes, one obelisk had seen the passage of time. The evolution of Egypt from then to now. And with my left eye, all I could see was a beam of power where everything else was hazy. This obelisk was radiating. True magic power. All the colors of different stages of a sunny day. Holy, the words coming out from my mouth, because that's what it was. It was holy light. How many have not prayed in front of this obelisk? How many still did? It was so mesmerizing, and it took all my willpower to look away, but I had to. I wasn't here to gawk. I was here to get answers and talk. My eyes shifted to surveilling the area, while my right hand double-checked if the book was still in my backpack. I spotted someone with a different aura sitting on a bench. Though different, it was a male by the look of it. And his aura was bleeding the same colors as the other cultists had. But something different. Where there had been white glows in the eye part, two void-like holes were there instead. The void of any aura and color. With the right eye, I saw just someone sitting there, wearing ragged clothes as if it was a homeless person. Very cautiously, while my mind was racing off all the traps that were going to spring as I neared him, I took the first few steps towards him. Nothing happened before I was about two meters from him. Are you going to come over here quicker, or are you going to use all my time? His voice was almost very, but rich, and as he lifted his head, I saw a cloth wrapped over his eyes. Greasy long hair almost sticking and half covering a rough worn face filled with a thick beard. Sorry, I just don't know if you are the one I'm supposed to meet. 
Taking the few more steps before reaching close enough that if he wanted, he could hit me. You are the first person in about two weeks that has approached me. Which means you are an awakened boy. And even if I have lost my eyes, my other senses know what you are carrying. I have been told of your arrival, which means you and I are going to have a little chat. Sit down. No one from my former order will come here. We are safe. How do you know that we are safe? And how do I know you are not one of them? I was just attacked earlier today. They know I am here and are after me. A low laughter came from the blind man before he pointed very calmly towards the obelisk. That is keeping them from approaching us. Think of it as a cultist repellent. Like those lanterns for bugs. And then he tapped the blindfold. And if you want, I can show you. I have no glowing eyes anymore. A sacrifice I had to make as I severed my connection to the Watchers. To whom they serve. So that's why the eye socket seems so void of everything with my left eye. I looked down and I breathed out, tried to calm myself and my paranoia. Okay, I will believe you for now. Truth be told, I'm exhausted. Listen here, boy. I am not your therapist, okay? But I get you. Waking up is exhausting. All the new information and not to mention your worldview is off the hook. I was told you have just awoken. How long ago? Four days. It felt like a lifetime. Four days and all I've done after that is just run towards the obelisk. Four days? I heard true shock in his voice for the first time. I thought maybe a month or two, but four days? And in that time you managed to get the chain book and get here? While being chased? I... I think I got the book before I woke up. I've never seen a man gape with their mouths open before. And like in the cartoon, it almost comically dropped. I had to fight every nerve in my body not to close his mouth after about one minute of him sitting there silently. Are you okay? I finally asked. And his mouth shut quite fast at that, as the sound of his teeth clicked together. Sorry, just... Do you know how many people have been after that book? Do you even know what you have? No, listen, I know little. Hekata told me to come here and talk to you after she explained I'd just awaken and that book is something she couldn't talk about. The blind man leaned back on the bench. Freaking hell, boy. What are you tangled up in? There was pity in his voice, and that made me even more nervous. But you can tell me, right? That's why I'm here. You're going to tell me everything. I am here to do two things. One is, yes, tell you something about the Watchers, but I cannot tell you much. As you said, Hecate can't talk about it because of an old oath. An oath every old pantheon took and it can't be broken. It is woven into their own life essence. Speaking about it too much will destroy them. Sometimes I wish that my eyebrows were like huge so when I first frowned, I could frown like Peter Capaldi's doctor. They take oaths to not talk about something they all know about. A book? 
the book can be talked about because of the byproduct of the oath. The oath is here to make sure mortals didn't get the information that is now written down in the book. So why did they write the book? Oh, by the horns of the bull boy, they didn't. Someone else did. They found out and then they chained the book to make sure no mortals or God can read it. That made better sense than just making a book about something oath-breaking and then releasing it to the world. Then who made it? He punched my shoulder lightly. Now you're asking the real questions. Questions I can't answer. I blinked a few times before almost yelling, What? I took oaths too, boy. When I joined the Watchers, oaths to make sure their secrets are safe too. But, he raised a finger, as if he knew I was about to protest, I can say this. If a son was, let us say, chained to stay in one place and then suddenly unchained, what would happen? That was a strange question. It would be unchained, and it would then, I guess, either come closer or further away from us, if it was unchained. Even if gravity is the one keeping us all in balance and... I stopped. But that's not it. You can't talk about it, so you are giving me something close to the truth, but it's still not the truth. Hecate said there are many paths to destruction of the world, but the book is one of them, isn't it? He smiled as he leaned closer to me. One thing more I can tell you. The book is unbreakable. No matter what you do with it, it will never age, burn, rot, you name it. Not even the gods themselves could destroy it. So they chained it up. To make sure no mortals could read it. Because their worst fear was someone would. So we're safe. If it can't be destroyed, neither can the chains, right? That made him stop smiling. Right? He shook his head. That is not for me to tell you. Which comes to the second reason I'm here today. Right. He did say there were some two reasons he was here. And that is? He lifted his head to the sky towards where the sun was. When I left the Watchers, it was because of my beliefs shifted. After coming here to Egypt in search of a way to unchain the book, while searching, I came close to this obelisk, and I met him. He saved me, told me I could make up for everything I had done, and by doing that, my heart would not tip the scale. So I waited. Forty years for today. The blind man stood up and started to undo his binding over the eyes. I like you, boy. And I wish you luck. I truly do. I am happy I am not in your shoes. What are you doing? As the bindings finally fell off, I saw two eye sockets just staring at me. Making sure you can speak to him. He took a deep breath and spoke. Amun-Ra, I let you in. I shouldn't stop the story here, Kim, but I am a sucker for cliffhangers. Gotta keep you and the listeners on the edge of your seats, right? Truth be told, I'm kinda tired too. And a recollecting all this while writing is draining me of energy. All the emotion I felt at the time are surfacing back up. 
I can tell you a fun fact though. We are getting close to where I decided more people needed to know, and I ended up finding you. I hope your time coming awake is better than mine. As you can see here, my awakening baffled the blind man. Does anyone else of the listeners feel like they are awakening? You should do a poll or something on the interwebs. Anyways, until next time, best regards, Brendan Croft. Cliffhangers, Brendan? Cliffhangers? You've been watching too many TV series. Do you know how many TV series and movies have ended with cliffhangers and not gotten their seasons or movies renewed? Sorry everyone, I guess we can't know more until the next letter arrives. And if anything is to be believed, then believe I'm not gonna get that letter until next week. Just don't cut it close to the release day, please. I have enough sleepless night as it is. So here's to hoping everyone, and I will leave you all with this. Does the blind man see more of the real world? Are we who can see blessed with illusions? This has been the seventh episode of Letters About the Untold. Written and read by Kim Chil Yoshta. Music by Nikolai Hagen. The places and people you hear in this podcast might be real, but the description or personality of the places and people might have been altered. This is fiction. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, and I do hope you enjoy it and hope you will listen to the next episode. And if you do, press that subscribe button and follow the podcast on social media. And if you can, it would be nice if you could just leave a review. Until next time, beware of the flickering lights.